When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of Courtside Fracker. Today I'm joined by Greg. How are you, Greg? I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm joined by Kay. How What's are you, Kay? No, I'm good, man. I'm just loading up my agendas. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to hear him. <laughs> Can't wait to hear him. And we're joined by Nee. Nee, how are you? I'm good, man. My team is doing good. I'm good, man. No, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get into the nitty-gritty, just want to go for over a couple of things that have happened in the NBA recently. So, uh, first thing was that the NBA have agreed to change their COVID-19 protocols. So, like, obviously, the cases have gone up in the UK. They've gone up pretty much all over the world as well. So with that, the NBA have reduced the f- have introduced the following changes. So I'll just run through them quickly and we can have a little chat about it. Uh, NBA players can no longer interact with non-team guests at road hotels. Uh, second one was at home, players, team and, and team staff must remain at residence except for the following reasons. To attend team-related activities at facility or arena, exercise outside, perform essential activities, the occurrence of extraordinary circumstances. Uh, Number three was on the road. The list of approved restaurants has now been rescinded with players and staff unable to leave the hotel for any reason except for team activities and emergencies. Number four, the league is mandating increased mask wearing for players in games except for cool-down chairs arranged at at least 12 feet from the bench and six feet apart. Number five, for the minimum of the next two weeks, pre-game meetings in locker rooms are limited to 10 minutes with face masks worn. Number six, NBA players are only now allowed to elbow or fist or fist bump when socialising pre and post game and maintain six feet of distance. And number seven, any person who regularly visits the inside a home of a team staff member or player or for professional purposes must undergo COVID testing twice per week. So thank you to the Courtside Fracas account for putting that out yesterday. So what do you guys think of the new rules? No air. It's all air. Because they're bumping into each other and sweating into each other for mm, So I don't understand. It makes it makes so much, sense. Yeah, it's literally just to appease people. But well and truly, obviously we're very much aware that this pandemic is serious and so on. But all these rules they're adding doesn't make it any more any much more safer. Like yeah. Yeah. said it, like you can't tell me what to do. I'm a grown man. Like well and truly, if it's so bad, why don't we just stop? Yeah. Do you think is yeah, there an I argument though? Yeah. Um, like I've gone yeah, gone. Sorry, I, I have to um just to piggyback on what the back on the back of what um Kenyon said, I have to agree with George Hill. Like, if it was this bad, then they shouldn't be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'm all for rules and regulations and trying to do the right thing. But 
also you need to do the right thing with a certain level of effectiveness. Like it, it makes zero sense to have players running around on the court, setting screens, rebounding, bumping into each other, sweating and so on and so forth. And then when they go on the bench, they have to wear a mask. Like that, that, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If somebody mm-hmm. has COVID, God forbid, and they're playing basketball with you, you're also going to get COVID. The fact that you're sitting on the bench with a mask on is neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the NBA is just doing it kind of for the optics. They want to be seen to be doing the right thing and seen to be making an effort, mm-hmm. which I understand, but I, I would I would debate the effectiveness of, of doing that. Is there an argument think... to be made, though, um, okay. that to say that maybe if they don't fist bump or that like if they don't talk to each other after the game or whatever day, we're shooting them on that, if it decreases the chance of then getting COVID by like one or two percent, is that not something that should be worthwhile if it's going to minimize the risk? I understand that like devil's advocate, like I don't particularly agree, but I mean that like, if that was the case and the science behind it was that it minimizes the risk, is that not stepping in the right direction? I mean, yes, but they're playing in contact sport. So if they were doing something where there was no contact and then they were, you know, engaging in physical contact, I could understand. But the fact that you're playing basketball for 48 minutes a game, you know, clashing with people, and then you want to step into a, a zone where you can't touch people or you can't do some can't touch someone for like a split second makes is negligible to the fact that you're playing basketball. I agree. And plus like I'm too honest anyway, like there's plenty of players who like before they take free throws, like they lick their fingers before they go and shoot the free throw. So I mean like, <laughs> I, like it just seems pointless to be honest, man. Like there's many there's much worse things going on in the court to be honest. They're all touching the same ball, they're all posting each other up and setting screens. Like come on now. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Like you might as well just wear masks while playing, or mm. like, like George was there, <laughs> serious, don't play. Mm. You guys think and I that... do feel like they're also sorry to sorry to cut you off. Okay, I do feel like also, you know, obviously they want to stop the spread of, of COVID, but I do feel like the only reason COVID has really infiltrated the NBA is um through the actions of a few players, number one, and then number two, the fact that the NBA is kind of clamping down and locking off the NBA players' social life outside of the, the outside of the court is another aspect. Mm. Like they're from what it sounds like and the rules you read out, it seems like they just literally go from the hotel room to the game, from the mm. game back to the hotel room. They can't even go out to a restaurant to eat, which is, you know, <laughs> borderline kind of is this prison or or life. To be fair though, like well, I don't know what it's like in America, but I'm assuming that no no one in America can um can go out either. So if they can't go out, then obviously basketball players shouldn't be able to go out either, I guess. It depends on certain states. So I think yeah. in certain states, you can go out. That restaurants are still open and whatnot. But um, obviously the NBA don't want that to be the case. Fair enough. Right, so I'd like to move on now to the man, the myth, the legend, the sage master that is Kyrie Irving. So <laughs> he has missed <laughs> he's missed the last four Nets games. Um due to personal reasons. We don't know what they are. Steve Nash doesn't know what they are. Um, he was on a Zoom call yesterday with a campaigner for um, a Manhattan uh, district, I think. So um, whilst the next game was on, so he wasn't even watching the game whilst, <laughs> whilst it was going on. So like, what do, what do we think of this? Why do we, do we want to speculate why Kyrie might be missing games or like, what's going on behind the scenes? I've kind of got a hunch, to be honest, yeah, that the recent... Actions by Kyrie and then now, like Harden yesterday. I don't know, like, just like, I'm, it's, I'm speculating, but maybe there's some, like, some sort of link there. 
I don't know if Kyrie's heard that maybe he may potentially be getting trade, traded or he heard about the rumours in the summer and thought to himself, well, if they don't really value me like this, I'm not going to give like give them my time and effort. And I don't know if Harden said something where there's a possibility the Brooklyn Nets might trade for him. Um, it could be linked, but or maybe it's not. Then I just don't understand the, the actions of Kyrie, to be honest, because I wonder there was a bit of silence around it. And there's potential that it may have been because of the riots that were going on in America and all the other troubles that were like, being caused. Then you think to yourself, maybe fair enough, he wants to sit out because he kind of carried the same actions in the summer when he didn't want to come to the bubble. Um, you think to yourself, well, it, you know, it's just sort of consistent. But then if you look on Twitter and you see Rope, he did this investigation and you find that Kyrie had been to his sister's birthday party and they went to the mm-hmm. club. I mean, like, cause, like, then he just becomes unprofessional in it. And he's like, kind of like taking the piss now, so he's taking the yeah, he's taking the, the piss. Excuse my French. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like normally, I've tried to like try and be a bit impartial with Kyrie because I understand like he doesn't like the way the media portray him or whatnot because they don't really know him, of course. And he's obviously a great basketball player and so forth. But yeah, he just doesn't sound like he's enjoying himself. And well and truly, I think I was reading that he's only he's missed fifty three games. For the Nets in there and played twenty-seven. So crazy. he's he's played really um, taking the Michael. You're taking the Michael on somebody else, but <laughs> when they're paying you an insane amount, and then I get the whole stuff. You're a human being, whatever, and you've got more to life than basketball. But at the same time, like bro, like none of us could do this at work and just disappear for four days. No. I'm actually, I don't know where we are. <laughs> I understand personal reasons, but we all know in your contract is that certain days you get because at the end of the day you signed a contract to do these things. So with Kyrie. I don't know, man. I think in this situation, maybe Steve Nash could have maybe protected him a tiny bit more by saying, oh, he's not messing me back. He could have just said personal reasons, leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like me was saying, we've seen on the internet now, don't know all the truth to it, that he's in the shubs clapping his hands and dancing to <laughs> for his sister on dad's birthday <laughs> and not playing NBA games. And at the same time, I hear it. He's being consistent. Maybe it's something to do with the riots that have gone in the capital, whatever, and he didn't want to come to the bubble. But my theory is he knew they weren't going to win jack shit anyway, so he wasn't planning on coming. And of course, him being the social character that he is, fair enough. But for me, he's just taking the piss now. And I've tried to back him normally or stay impartial, but this one, come on, bro. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, we haven't heard things from Kyrie's side of side of the story yet, but from the from the information that we have received so far, it is quite shocking that um he was out for quote unquote personal reasons, and then there's footage of him in the club celebrating his sister's birthday. I think, you know, all 400 plus players in the league are having to make sacrifices. Um, so it does seem a bit wild that Kyrie is out, there, is out there celebrating. And the thing that is wild to me is the fact that, like, you know what you're doing and you know that there's, you know, mobile phones and there's going to be recordings and Snapchats and Instagrams. And, you know, I, I, I could almost kind of understand if he was at a no phone function and someone had snuck a phone through and taken a video. But you're just out here in the open celebrating your your uh your sister's birthday it was kind of like yeah you knew that this was gonna find its way to the to the front pages of espn and tmz within two hours kind of thing is anyone surprised at how well might be jumping the gun but how quickly this seems to have gone kind of sour because only a couple months ago weren't curry and kd doing podcasts like oh kd's the best (laughs) 
best whatever I've ever played with. Da, 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 da. Uh, and then I, I'm not surprised. No, <laughs> I'm not evil. Like, fair enough. This I, is I mean, you, get, you gave Kyrie the, the benefit of the doubt when he left Cleveland because I think the way the, the media talked about him asking, you know, is LeBron a father figure and all this <laughs> stupidness? So I was like, yeah, okay, I can, I can see why you want to leave and, and be the, yeah. you know, that man, fun. so to speak, yeah. uh, at the Celtics. You know, he played what 60 65 percent of the available games when he was in boston yeah. left after two seasons it's like uh, you know he, he's kind of upset in the locker room he's not healthy he, he just yeah. was kind of disappointing in that area and then he goes to the nets and it's just like the same you know kind of i don't want to say weirdness because i don't want to call him weird because he's different from you know other players but same unusual nah, you can antics, say it you can say, say. He's, weird. he's weird you can say it. it's fun <laughs> he's weird is there any do do anyone think that Curry owes? I wouldn't say the media, but maybe owes like people an explanation for why he's been missing. hundred percent. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get personal reasons, yeah. But you're getting paid millions of dollars, not just a little bit of millions, a lot, like max money. And there's a certain responsibility that comes with being a max player. And I get players have grievances with their teams and whatnot. But as a whole, players do not know when they're on that kind of money. They don't normally act out in a way that is detrimental to their franchise. Like, you won't catch man outside, especially in these really uncertain times when there's a pandemic out there. You're telling me you've called this personal reasons. And then people somehow manage to do an internet investigation and seeing you in the club without a mask. Come on, bro. You're just taking the mic now. Not only that, yeah. Cool. Spencer Dinwiddie's gone now. Now he's been injured. You're there mm. with, K- with KD. He's okay, a bit older, coming off a long-term injury. And your team has clearly got expectations that they've put on the two of you. And you've now missed four games, whatever, for whatever reason that it might be. But also, there's no sign of you coming back. While also, these things that are popping up in the media as well. Like Greg said, we ain't heard his side yet. But I'm really, really, really interested to know, like, bro, what could it be that was so bad that you thought, you know what, these four games, I'm not playing them. And potentially yeah, more was, as well. well. Who knows? I was going to wait till we talk about the games to bring up. The, the Spencer um, didn't really part of that. But yeah, you are right. His... Yeah, I'll, I'll save it for me. Cover the games. He's taking the Michael, man. I, I, I just, I just, I don't know, man. Like he's just, he's just taking the piss. He's kind of being uh, a hypocrite, to be honest. I mean, like, if you dig a bit deeper, because like now all these questions are that post game, and like, like, they wonder other day, and Kadeem has got a thirty point triple double, but most of the points are all about on Kyrie. So like mm. he's kind of made it about himself, and the players have to handle the media and answer questions about Kyrie. So like what he was trying to escape from, he's kind of been causing at Boston. And now the net. So I think the biggest mistake I made with Kyrie was trying to understand who he was as a person. Because <laughs> you just you just can't understand that guy, to be honest. That's fair. Yeah. And there's controlling your own narrative, yeah, which I get. Like we've seen ever since obviously Bronze had more player power, players are more comfortable like being themselves. The players are cut the generation after him. Like we know Russ, cool, we don't like the media. Great family man, he's his own dude, whatever. Cool. We know what guys are into, Dame be rapping and whatever, and everyone else would be doing their stuff, you know, they have their own personalities, which are very unique to them, but the thing, and they can control the rate as best as possible, even KD now, people leave him alone, you know, obviously after the burner account stuff and doing whatever, <laughs> but he can't, people just leave him alone because they know what he's on, they just know, like, cool, this guy just likes playing basketball, he don't want any kind of responsibility, he just happens to be one of the best two or three players in the world, so we know what we're getting from him, cool, and you can't really talk on his name now because he's got them two chips and two founders MVPs, but people, I don't know, man. You, you just can't be doing what you're doing when you're Kyrie, especially when you, if you're saying you're this smart and you're telling us how smart you are all the time, the, the chances are you're probably not that smart if you need to keep telling yeah. us. That. 
especially mm-hmm. when you need to keep describing or keep explaining everything that you're it, it's being interpreted the wrong way. If you want things to be interpreted in a certain way, while I get the media has its demons and has certain ways that they depict players, if they don't like them, you need to make it as clear as possible. This is what you're saying. Otherwise, you just leave stuff up to interpretation and we end up in the same situation that we are now. People think you're a weirdo and you're this and you're that. And it's back to like, oh, I don't like the media. I'm going to do my own thing. So this is a constant cycle of madness, if you ask me. Well said. Right. So now I want to roll into some of the action from the past few days. Neil, I want to start off with Golden State. So yep. they played two games, one against the Raptors and once against the Pacers. One win, one loss. How do you feel about the season now compared to a few episodes ago when you were on? Um, I'm pretty happy with how the season's progressing, to be honest. So we had a seven-game homestand. Um, and before we started our homestand, we were two and two. And we just about beat the Bulls and Detroit, I think. And I thought to myself, the game's coming up, assuming like, and they look pretty difficult. And I would have taken maybe two wins at minimum. And then we just kind of build from there because we looked awful. But um, like we came out four and three, which is above most of our expectations, to be honest. I think we stole the game against Toronto. Um, I think we played well, but the fourth quarter, the kind of like made the game a bit more difficult, slowed down the pace. Um, we had to play a lot of half-court ball and then we had a lot of troubles with our offence because we haven't got a lot of smart players. Um, but our defence was the thing that got us through in the end. And I think Draymond does a shout-out, even though you call him a bum earlier in the season. Um, I think he's probably like defensive player of the year candidate. He's probably number one at the moment. But I'll speak on that more later. And then the game against Indiana yesterday was kind of like a replica of the game against um, on the Raptors. But we just like lost out I'm at the end, to be honest. So I'm going to let anyone potentially get an agenda off here. Kay, I'm looking at you mainly. So, yeah, me, okay. what's Steph been like the last couple of games? And the last couple of games hasn't been good, yeah. But listen to me, yeah. I mean, Ooh. if you've watched the games and you see the defensive schemes they put up against them, like the Raptors... This, this is not an excuse. No, no, it's not an excuse. Like, Steph, like, bottom line, should have played better um, yesterday, for sure. 100%. He had a lot of open looks that he passed up. Um, he wasn't aggressive enough. And, like, he does... He has a tendency to try and get other players into the game first. Mm. Um, but he needs to find his first. And like, even Draymond said that once he finds his rhythm first, and he gets into his flow first, and the offense comes afterwards. That's for the rest of the team. Um, but yesterday, they're throwing up box and one at him. Um, and to be honest, it's kind of a sign how like the other teams or like like well organized teams just don't rate our team offensively at all because they're leaving guys open like Kelly Oubre and Wiggins and even the Draymond who's... open as well. I forget about him, man. He's he's like, they a were, though, like wide oh. open. I couldn't believe that's, it. Anyway. That's an understatement. Where, how they're leaving I mean, yeah, they might as well. Open. I mean, like, when they do pick and rolls and they don't even roll Draymond, like, they totally leave him. He's pretty much like a zero in terms of shooting capability. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, um, I think it's just a sign that our players aren't particularly delivering as expected. Well, especially Uber, anyway. It was a bit better yesterday. But um, I think defenses will stop sending so much help to Steph if our players continue to knock down shots, which they're doing better recently. So I think we're acclimatising. But um, yesterday, yeah, which is... Wiggins has played well, shooting well. Yeah, he's been really played. good, man. He's been so good defensively. Yeah, Six blocks. Mm. Any rebuttal from the floor? Yeah, go on. Kenyon, you're on mute. Go on, Kenyon. <laughs> Kenyon, you're on mute. He's, he's on mute. <laughs> <laughs> he's going. He's going in he's as well. popping off as well. <laughs> We can't hear you, bro. Can you can you can you unmute him? Oh, oh, you mute him. oh listen, 
I'm sorry, I'm muted. Let me start that again. So, respectfully, brother. Yeah. Because <laughs> they told me Steph was back. They mm. told me Steph was there. I saw the 60-point game. I saw the 38. I saw him shooting and stuff. I was thinking, you know what, yeah? Listen, I, I backed myself. I said, you know what, yeah? I've got to say steadfast in my agenda. And, of course, my resolution was Steph. We heard him last episode. Take them over 500. So he was doing his job. He started shooting, being more aggressive. That's all we asked for. We didn't care if you lose. Just at least show us you're trying, bro. But here we are, four games later. Two okay games in a row. Man, I say, oh, you know what? Yeah, our players aren't smart enough. You know, they're not here <laughs> no more, man. Steph is really just passing it up and stuff. Like, bro, come on. We need to... All I ask for is consistency, okay? Mm. Listen, they're clearly playing better. I was watching the Indiana game, and even though they lost that in the fourth quarter, there's some good ball movement going on. He's getting everyone else involved, passing up some looks here and there. And Draymond being back, even though... I try my best not to respect him, has been a big help because he can organise them best on defence. And I think that's kind of where their strength is going to be this year because from two to five, they're long as hell. They can, the wingspans and all, they can defend from Draymond, Wiggins, Oubre and Wiseman. That's a court, that's a very strong, you can hide a Steph Curry in that because defensively, they're all six, seven plus and they can all defend and athletic as hell. So cool. Started to see a bit more of Oubre driving to the basket, getting his looks there before settling for the three-pointers, which would be good in the long run because obviously gives him help now so he does not, he's not settling just for threes. Wiggins has been playing better because, you know, he's got to. They're paying him $145 million. But, bro, like, people thought Steph was going to maintain his level. I, for one, remained steadfast. They were shouting from the rooftop when Steph hit 60. Then he had the 30-point games and he was balling out. Don't get me wrong. He's scoring, I think, 28.6 a year, a game so far this season on 43 at 39, cool. Not his normal numbers, respectable, of course. But we say numbers lie. But we've seen we've seen with our own eyes what's been going on with those numbers. He has not been playing, I don't think, amazingly. Even though you guys are winning now, fair play. It's not going to last. I'm, I'm not putting my neck on the line. I'm putting my whole soul on the line to tell you this, <laughs> this will not last. Don't get me it's wrong. It's not going to last in what sense? What? It's not gonna, okay, this is why it's not going to last, yeah. I think that, yeah, you guys are looking better now. And you'll probably, I want to say, let's say, based on how the league is now looking like sixth or seventh in the playoff max, maybe just about a 500 and then bounce in the first round. But you're saying teams have thrown this box and won at Steph. Like, oof, Steph, who can get any jump shot he want. They told me best defensive player of all time since MJ, you know. They said, wow, unanimous MVP. So the fact that a box and one, it seems to be... Offensive, best offensive. Yeah, best offensive, sorry. They're telling me, <laughs> they're telling me that this is a box and one is hindering him. Like, bro. Obviously, he's doing his best to get everyone else involved. And you said you were happy with how you lot are doing now. So clearly, you lot do not stink as much as we were at first thought. However, I don't think it's going to maintain because ultimately, the ultimate threat is Steph. So well and truly, even though we know they cannot shoot and some of them are kind of hitting shots now, like Damian Lee here and there, it's still not maintaining. It's still, you still cannot maintain it because you're sticking to an old offence without the same kind of tools and you're not used yeah. to that. The only thing that's really saving you, which kind of always has when you did have the offense, was the defense. They're leaving, they're, they're guarding Draymond under the basket when he's on the halfway line. I mean, Wiseman's a young prospect, whatever, but I just don't think it's sustainable because ultimately the buck ends with Steph and he's not the scapegoat because, hell, you might stink, but the buck ends. If Steph is not banging, you lot are not banging and I don't I think I'm a bang. I think on your point about the the running the wrong kind of offense, that comes down to Kerr. 
because you have Curry at the one, you have Ubre and, w- and Wiggins on the wing, uh, you have Wiseman who's young and he's playing the five. Like, there's no reason why they shouldn't be turning their defense into offense and Curry dribbling the ball or Draymond dribbling the ball down the court and they see Ubre to his left and Wiggins to his right and they're slashing to the basket. But instead, they're still using that that offense that they've used for the last couple of seasons. But you don't have Clay and KD to stretch the floor. You have Wiggins and, and Ubre. And credit to Wiggins, he's been hitting his three the last couple of games. But, you know, Ubre has started this season terrible, uh, terribly. When he's driving to the basket, the paint is clogged. Um, you know, there's just Steve Kerr needs to, needs to restart the offense again. Um, and then on on the topic of Curry, I mean, I've seen a lot of people talk about the way in which Curry is being defended. But you know, newsflash: this is this is the defense you're going to you're what? going to face when you're a thirty point per game scorer type of guy. I mean, this is this is not unusual um, type of defense that we haven't seen other players face. You know. Past players, present players, you know, Embiid was getting double and triple teamed last night when he dropped 45. Harden's had to go through it. LeBron's had to go through it. Kobe, Way, just the list is endless. You know, so you're comparing or Steph is in that category of, you know, top 20, top 25 players ever. You know, he needs to be able to adjust to whatever the defense is throwing at him, um, you know, regardless of who his other teammates are, in my opinion. Amen. I mean, that wasn't an excuse when I mentioned the defense. I mean, like, because like the box starts with Curry, as you said. And, I mean, he didn't play well last game. Um, but, I mean, like, when his teammates aren't producing or they're not hitting open shots or they're not, like, like maximising on what they have when there's three defenders on him, then that becomes a problem. Now, Steph didn't play well yesterday, but um, that was, OK, so what, two mediocre games in a row where he didn't shoot too well. But then the first me- that mediocre game, he actually won. So that's why I thought that's a positive sign, actually. And I disagree with Kay in saying that we can't sustain it because I think we definitely can. And our defence, since Dre's been back, has actually been top 10, which I predicted that we'd be a top 10 defence. So and when you're a top 10 defence and you're somewhere like 15th, 14th offensively, I think I think it's a pretty good sign. And that's definitely like a playoff, like calibre sort of team. Yeah, but you can't but, um, yeah. Go on. You can't score though. Who? It's, it's like, this is all well, I, I appreciate the defence. It's fantastic. It always was going to be like, you've got the length to do it. But when you're like, you said 15th, 16th or whatever in the offence, when it, if you do, when you get to playoff, let's say six, seven, four, eight, see whatever it might be. If you're higher, good luck. But when it gets to the playoff, <laughs> when when the when the possessions are shorter and there's fewer, if you're already struggling to score in the regular season, where everyone just kind of turns up and put their shoes on and it's just a scrimmage, then in the playoffs when people start to put their hats on and actually start tying their shoes up, like come yeah. on, like I don't I don't think it's sustainable just in that sense, like. I'm not sure. I mean, um, that's what we kind of expect though before the season, like to get to the first or second round, potentially. Like, no one's expecting us to go to the finals. Nee, and to be honest, hold on. Nee, nee, yeah. nee. Is that what you said in the prediction pod? In the... 100%. I didn't say we're going to the finals. I, I, need, to, I need to check that back. I did not say we're going to the finals. Check that no back. way, no okay. way, no way. Uh, uh, I did not say uh, that. I'll check the receipts. I'll check the receipts. I've heard some stuff. They were telling me that Steph's going to be an MVP caliber candidate this year. Like, he on. is. I think he is. I think what? Nah, this guy's mocking me. Man. Game. Listen, this listen, guy's mocking. They call, they call me a madman. Listen, I'm active on the Twitter account, and they were telling me that I was the fool, that I did not know basketball. I'm an MVP candidate. There's, there's no chance in hell. No, I think, I think what you've seen from Curry so far this season, and again, it's only been ten games or eleven games, is that Curry, when he has you know all-star caliber teammates with him, is at one level, and Curry, when he has less than all-star caliber teammates with him is a couple rungs down the ladder. And if you compare that to his 
peers, both past and present, you know, guys that are in and around his skill level, you haven't seen such a big drop off when they've had, you know, uh, great teammates to not great teammates. I think that is the the defining thing that we've seen of Curry so far. And I'll put an asterisk uh, next to that statement because, again, it has only been 10, 11 games this season and then like five or so games last season. But the Curry critics are being uh, somewhat proved right so far. The great I think so, too. I've said it. I said it already. Like, my, what, regardless, my, you, you ain't getting those excuses when it comes to somebody else. No, no, no one's, no one's saying, "Oh, well, the defense is focused on LeBron." Nah, you're LeBron. <laughs> you, are LeBron. Steph Curry. you can pull up from the halfway line, and like I said, no matter what happens this season, yeah, what I view Steph as is not going to change because his place is pretty much cemented in history. However, mm. just for the newer fans of our generation and the people who were really over exaggerating his standing in the league. I'm just telling you, like, this is what happens when reality hits. Like, Damien Lillard said, like, welcome to real life, more or less. Like, this is oh, cool. The last minute said that, I dropped 62. So, cool. It's 60, coming. What's about 62? That's one game. What's happened since then? Like, Greg said... With he, the he got a fair year against the Clippers. It's early season. Early That's, season. The Clippers. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's the Clippers. The Clippers <laughs> That's the Clippers. The Clippers lost... That's the Clippers. To Dallas. Now, let me put shoes on against Clippers right now. I'll give you 15 at least. Come <laughs> 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 on now. Nah, I, I care it. Like my my standing on Steph is not going to change. But this is really this season. It's just kind of a reality check for the people that put Steph above and beyond where he should have been. Ultimately, that's my where did you? Okay, where did you put him? Would I put second what in the league or in like terms yeah. of player? Yeah, I think I, I think I had him like fifth or fifth or so, fifth or sixth. Okay, so that's not. Just the ball, yeah. I put him fourth. So yeah, nah, I think it's more a case of like the the overall consensus with like the NBA. When you right. get because the hyperbole is obviously a thing when we're gauging these players, like like I said, we'd heard best defensive, one of the best defensive players ever since MJ, of course, because obviously what he was doing was amazing. But yeah, man, that's all well and good when you got all star candidate cal- um, teammates with you. But that like said when you don't, you're still amazing, but not as amazing. So charge that one to the game. But we'll see. So no, it's, it's still early in the season, man. It's still early. And who we got next? So Steph is overrated. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I want to move on to the Philly, the Philly night game last night against the Heat. Um, so Joel Embiid put on a stellar performance, and they yes. beat well, just beat the Heat in in overtime. Uh, any of you guys watched the game, or yes, do you I have did. any thoughts on Embiid's performance? First of all, I saw a couple of players from Miami I ain't never seen before. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> they were down to bare bones. I don't know who those guys were, but um. I saw, funnily enough, I saw a report um, or tweet, sorry, out saying that some NBA coaches or managers want their roster extended to 20 players. So mm. I don't know which G League players are going to be coming up to the NBA, but boy. Jello's uh, coming. Jello's Jello, coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said it on Sunday. I said it Triple B, let's get. Jello's coming. Wait by the phone. Unknown names. Greg said they're dropping 45 on the Sioux Four Sky Force. Jello's going to be like, um, you know, remember when Peter and then Wingy went to. Um, to West Brom <laughs> to get to get to he went to QPR to put the transfer through. That's gonna be jello. Don't worry. Mate. He'll be he'll be at Westchester. Nah. Yeah. In terms of the game, um Embiid actually didn't start the game off very well. The first half he was actually quite quite um quite poor, he was missing in action, and then he just went into beast mode into the third quarter and for the rest of the game really. Um he was his full offensive arsenal was on display, post up, fadeaways, jump shots at the right elbow, left elbow. Um, even his passing was on, was on point in that game. 
And he was even, I think it was the third court, he was even playing a little bit of point centre, just like demanding the ball in the backcourt and then just dribbling up the up the floor and going one-on-one -on -one with his man. Um, so, yeah, it was a really nice game from Embiid. Danny Green, I think, also hit nine threes um, in the game. He couldn't miss. I think he was nine for 21 from three. Uh, so that was great to see him have kind of a breakout performance. Obviously, he's been he's been getting trashed the last couple of seasons by <laughs> by, by less some Laker fans. Um, so it's nice to see him kind of hit, hit a hot streak. Simmons didn't have the best of games scoring-wise, finished with five points, but his passing was solid throughout the game. Um, I, I do have Embiid as my kind of number one on the MVP ladder so far this season. And I think that 45-point game has kind of solidified his place there. Yeah. Oh, right. and also hit, hit the game time shot to send it into overtime. I can't forget that. Yeah, that was a big shot. Yeah. Okay. I think, finally, he's kind of showing his worth because Jokic's kind of taking the lead as best centre in the league. But I think all things being equal, which they're not, of course, when Embiid is on his game, I don't really think there's that competition because, like you said, he can more or less do, do it all. But it's just kind of come down to a case of like his fitness and dedication. But then, like Greg said, we literally saw his full offensive arsenal from like the second half or whatever and just saw him doing literally whatever he wanted. Of course, he was dunking on the YMCA heat, but <laughs> beat what's in front of you, don't you? So at mm -hmm. the same time, like fair play to him. So, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Joel Embiid and hopefully this is the year that he, like, pulls himself back up level with Jokic and probably even hopefully surpasses him because I'm of the opinion that he's better, but he's not really shown. I, I think he's better than Jokic. Jokic so, can't play a lick of defence. So, for me, uh, for me personally, if I'm ranking a, a player, I think I, I weight things differently depending on the position. So, obviously, like, rebounding, and de rebounding is, is more critical to, like, a centre than it is to a point guard, for example. So... For me, if you're talking about Jokic versus Embiid, because Embiid's defense is levels above Jokic's, um, yeah, I take Embiid all day. People like no look passes and they like the fat guy balling out, so charge that one to the game, I guess. <laughs> I wanted to make one quick point. Um, it's a point that we've made before, but I just saw a clip on uh, on Twitter of Ben Simmons driving into the paint and then just stopping. And I don't know if anyone else has seen this, but he just stops. And he doesn't know what to do. And he just throws the ball out and it starts again. So, like, I know we talk about this all the time, but do you think Ben Timmons will ever learn how to shoot? Or even try? No, because at the end of the day, he's not a point guard. I think he needs to get that in his head. In the head. He's a fantastic big player, of course. He can more or less do it all. But at the end of the day, you're 6'10". Get your ass in the paint. Like, mm. this, 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 um, the taller, faster players thing that we see with as time goes on, that's all well and good and all, but you're most effective in the paint. And you don't even need a jump shot like that. Just give me like a 15-footer. You don't need mm. to shoot, shoot like 44% from there. Nothing crazy. Just give me a 15-footer here and there. Don't be scared of shooting it. But I don't need to see you running up and down the floor with the ball, man. You like, just pick and roll, man. And you can pass on the paint. It's very possible. Like, you're not a point guard. Just get that in your head and you're good. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a fine line between um, being a point guard and being a player that has good court vision and good passing ability. Exactly. And Simmons at, at 6'9", 6'10", is a very good passer for his height and size, but he's not a point guard. Amen. Yeah. And the church has spoken. <laughs> uh, I want to move on. Side note, if they do, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead, go ahead. If they do trade Simmons for Harden, then you do add more. Even though Harden is a, is a two guard, he can and has played the point, and he would be a better point guard than Simmons could be, if that makes sense. Yeah. On a quick side note about that, just going off what you just said, if Simmons goes to the Rockets, how do you think, how do you, do they line, still line up with him as the point guard or does John Wall keep that position? 
John Wall better keep that ball. John yeah. Wall, man. I think John Wall keeps the ball yeah. for sure. <laughs> so then where does Simmons go? You probably get him moving off ball more, innit? Mm. That's slashing to the rim. Catch them, yeah, catch them moves, buddy. Moves. <laughs> <laughs> I don't kind of bust yeah. anything. This is you put you put John Wall at the one. Uh, maybe move Eric Gordon to the two into the starting lineup, and then put Simmons at the three. Fair enough. So speaking of the Rockets, if uh, anyone can save them, they're three and six now. They lost to the Lakers last night. Um, can you? And I'll start with the Lakers. Um, I'll come to you first. So Lakers are nine and three now in the season. How do you feel about that? Are you feeling confident? Where you getting goes, man? We still stink though, but we'll just have to be better than everybody else, which is just a sad state of affairs at this point in time. Like, I don't think we're playing particularly well, but I think the fact that LeBron, someone said in our group chat, like he's gone from being more or less quite clear of everybody else in the league to maybe dropping a few levels to still a consensus top three player in the league. And, of course, you've got AD, who is going to take another step, of course. And I think they're kind of just in cruise control at the moment. And then we're using this time to kind of fit everybody in. Like, Harold is enjoying himself. I mean, he's a, he's a good player, but I think in the playoffs, we might see a bit of trouble there. I mean, we've got the ghost of Marc Gasol, who's just, I think, just the experience and could be lost JaVale and Dwight. And, yeah, Schroeder's fitting very nicely. Porter Tucker, um, Kuzma as well. Like, yeah, I don't think we're doing anything particularly special at the moment. We're kind of just going through the paces because we're just a lot better than a lot of the teams that we're facing. Mm. And I think we'll see what happens as the season goes on with, like, injuries and if the season continues and the playoffs. But, yeah, I don't really feel any kind of thing. I didn't really expect anything else, if I'm being very honest, because the core of the team is very much still there and it may be even up- upgraded in, like, the point guard, let's say, Schroeder for Ronda. So, yeah, man, kind of, we are what we are at this point. Um, quick open question to the floor. Um, so the Rockets are three and six now, um, despite having obviously John Wall, James Harden, Christian Wood is looking really good as well. Boogie Cousins. What can they do to get themselves out of this slump? And they need to trade Harden. Yeah, obviously some some new information has transpired in the last kind of hour or so around Harden. So I don't. Do you want to talk us about? Do you want us yeah, to talk about if Harden's on the team or not on the team or? <laughs> Well, let's yeah, talk about if he's on the team because he's on it right now. So let's okay, just say. Well, I mean, I can't remember what game it is for the life of me, but there was one game where Harden was out and it was just John Wall running the show and the Rockets mm. looked like a completely different team. Um, they were getting up and down the court quicker, defense was quicker, passing was better, players were touching the ball more. Just They were just playing basketball better. And I think, like, we all know the last couple of seasons with, um, with Harden and Dan Tony and... Um, I've forgotten his name now, the stats guy um, in, the, in the front office. One Dal Mori. Yeah, there we go, Dal Mori. Um, he's just been a lot of isolation basketball, you know, shooting threes and so on and so forth. And I think if the Rockets are really to take this, this next step and dig themselves out of a hole, they need to go back to playing just normal basketball rather than this isolation, you know, bonanza they've been playing the last couple of seasons. Um, I think like right now they're stuck in between kind of you know, heaven and hell or ISO ball and, and normal basketball because they have shown um, a couple of, you know, um, they have shown that they can play normal basketball, pick and roll with Christian mm. Wood and John Wall doing his thing. But every so often they, they sink back into that kind of like old dog, you know, you can't teach it new tricks kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's pretty nasty, to be fair. Just I don't think many of them are enjoying just watching Harden dribble the ball. 
and he's not really really moving off ball to really create any other opportunities for everybody else if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And like he's, like Greg said, when John Wall's got the ball, that is the prototypical point guard gets everyone involved. Even though he might not be a great shooter or whatever, he's still decent enough. And they look like a completely different team, like he said. And they're still stuck. And nothing changes for me until they bin off Harden and then re-up. Because right now, even just even stuff has come out since we saw we all saw Harden's interview after the game, and he just clearly showed how he didn't want to be there. Even though he's putting up numbers, he's doing that because he's James Harden, not because he particularly cares. He's just doing that because he's going through the motions. And then you've got Boogie coming out and saying like, "Yeah, like you can clearly see that players aren't happy. Like they're seeing what he's doing at the dent of another team." John Wall said, "Like, bro, it's been like ten games. How are you giving up already?" And yeah. got cousins saying like. It's disrespectful. Like, look at the way he turned up. Look at the way people are turning up at the camp. So it's clear there's obviously a bit of fracas, if you excuse the pun, within the camp. So and, we, and and for it to be coming from those two players who have had to who have played like what three games collectively in the last two years. Well, and they're, <laughs> so they're, they're brand, they can't be bothered to get ready. And, they're they're and brand new to the organization. Not only are they brand new to the organization, they're brand new having just missed full seasons themselves. Yeah. So if they're saying this now, you clearly know something's up. So for me. The only thing that can really change right now to really make the most of the pieces that they have is if Harden leaves. And I think they can only benefit from that. They might not, for what they were before, having been almost team to get to the finals, I think if they reach the playoffs now, uh, getting rid of Harden and getting some solid pieces, I think that's a success, uh, successful season for them, to be fair. Mm. I think the Rock is actually pretty decent, that even without Harden. Um, I like Chris Wood, um, and I think Cousins is good. Oh, well, he, he's, he's looking pretty good after his injuries. And I can't believe how John Wall's looking after his Achilles, to be honest. Like, man hasn't lost a step. Like, he's still getting to the rim. He's still crafty. He's still quick. That like, first step is still bad. He's pretty explosive. So, um, his defense I, I, as well. Yeah. His defense exactly. has been really. He was, a, he was a good defender when he was in Washington, and he's still a good defender now. I think, it's, I think Greg said it or someone like the reason why we're maybe seeing John Wall and KD maybe not missing a step is because, like, injury. Like, normally when you get injured, you're getting prepped to come back immediately. Like you're more or less, you're probably good to go maybe after six, seven months. Then the yeah. last, he's kind of getting yourself into shape and whatnot. Him and KD both had the same injury. They both took 18 months off and they yeah. really just, just stopped doing it. They literally just stopped everything and just really got back to health. Like I was hearing that last year, KD could maybe come back for the for the Nets. He probably could have, but that wouldn't gain anything. So he just said, yeah. And the same with John Wall, he probably could have come back earlier, but he just thought, listen. This is a lottery team at best. Brand Wall's um, Beal's going crazy. What do I really prove coming back now? I may be re-injuring myself. Let me just chill and we'll come back in 18 months, whatever, and look at them now. Like they're both reaping the rewards. So yeah, I'm all for it. I'm I'm really, really happy how like John Wall's looking. Because I thought he'd stink, I ain't gonna lie. But the one's thinking is my boy Russ. So that's me. <laughs> that's, me. that's me signing off, dropping all my stops on Russ. I hope the streets hear that. Like, that's me done with him. It's a good family man. I like his pictures, but I don't co-sign anything he does basketball-wise. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, last point, quickly. Um, so I think the news that broke from James Harden is that he was uh, interested in just two teams, is it? Philly and Brooklyn, right? Basically. I think, I think uh, so. Yes. So if you're Philly or Brooklyn, do you, for either of them, is it worth the gamble, basically? Well, I would ask. Philly, yes. I think yeah. Philly, Philly are a number one in the East right now, um, but it is still early days. And I think if you have the chance to get Harden, who, when he is at his best or when he is 
fully healthy, I put that in air quotes, uh, as in, you know, game shape healthy, is a top, you know, at worst, top six player in the league, top seven player in the league, um, then you, you have to pull the trigger on that one. Um, for Brooklyn, I think, I don't know what Kyrie's doing. Uh, when Kyrie's been playing, they've looked like a good team. They've lost some very winnable games. But I think that just comes with, you know, having a new point guard in Kyrie, having a new small forward in KD, having a new coach in Steve Nash. Like, there's going to be, you know, rocky um, ro- rocky paths before it turns smooth. Um, so I'll, I'll, if you're Brooklyn, you're a little bit more hesitant. But if you're Philly, I think definitely yes. And especially come playoff time, you're going to need some spacing when it comes to Embiid. And Simmons just doesn't provide that. And I think giving up, you know, Simmons and his defense with his passing, you are gaining a, you know, a 30 point per game guy in Harden, who is also a better passer than Simmons. You know, Harden this season is still averaging 10, 10 assists a game. Um, I'm trying. So, you know, yeah, if you're, if you're Philly, pull the trigger on that one. Yeah. I don't actually think Philly should trade for Harden, you know. Um, I don't think it takes them to where they want to go in terms of like winning their championship. Like, and they won't beat the Lakers. I wouldn't have them beating the Clippers. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't even really have them coming out of the West, I mean, sorry, the East, if like Brooklyn are healthy and Kyrie's engaged. So it just seems like a pointless trade to me that barely moves the needle. And I would rather keep Simmons and Embiid as like your cornerstones of your franchise, like similar to how the Celtics are probably going to keep Tatum and Brown for like five to 10 years. I, I wouldn't be in a hurry to trade for Harden, to be honest. And like, but why, but if you just look not? at him physically, because if you look at him physically, I mean, he's not the same player. I mean, like, I'm ISO. Um, he's still better than everyone else. What's that? He's still better than everyone else, man. I think that's what makes it beautiful. He's, as well. he's still better than Simmons. And he's still better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I definitely agree, but it doesn't move the needle that much in terms of then trying to win a championship. If and if you look at it long term, I think you have to take step by step. Like, if you just boil it down to do they get better with Harden over Simmons, I think, at least in my opinion, the answer is yes. And then in terms of when, when you transfer that into a into a playoff scenario, Harden can shoot the three. Yeah. Score. Yes, Harden's had, you know, his terrible games and series in the playoffs. Those are well documented. But you're putting a 30-point-per-game a guy next to Embiid, who is looking like the MVP of the league so far this season. Um if I if I was um if I was Philly, then I would I would I would play yeah, him. I agree. Like the Nets no longer have the ability to because Dinwiddie's gone down. And Kyrie alone won't be enough. And if you just put it on paper next to each other, the only reason that a Kyrie and KD partnership matches up to maybe a Harden and Embiid is 90% KD because Harden is much better than Kyrie. And obviously KD is clear of everyone. And then you've got Embiid as well. I don't think the difference in player between Embiid and Kyrie, albeit both different kinds of players, is that big anyway. So for me, I think you have to pull the trigger because like Greg said, even though you might be losing someone defence, that's maybe 30 points a game that you didn't have before. And someone who's a better passer. And arguably, I think just brings more balance, even though Simmons is a great defender and he's 6'10". Like, mm. having someone who can actually be the main ball handler while also having, like, Harris, um, depending if he doesn't go, um, Danny Green, and obviously Embiid on form and healthy, then it's great because Embiid is the primary scorer when he's playing for him. It's not Simmons. And having someone to relieve that load opens up even more looks for him. So I think, yeah, I think it's, they, have, they have to pull the trigger from that one. Especially... Yeah. I think... What you saw, I think what you saw last season... Already, no? But I think what you saw <sighs> last postseason was like, Embiid had to go out and, and drop like 40, 45 for them to even have a chance of winning. So even if you, if you put Harden in that situation, even if Harden only scores 25 a game and 
you know, takes on more of a passing role. It takes a hell of a lot of pressure off of Embiid. Whereas Simmons is not a 25 to 30 point per game guy, even if he wants to be. Maybe so that's a hell of a lot of pressure on, on Embiid. Yep. And it's win now. That's the way the game goes. So you don't, don't really think about the future in these situations, especially when players are hard and become available. Like I'm telling you, when stuff is on the line, players magically start getting motivated again. This fat Jimbo that we're seeing, give it two months, he'll be the back to shape and just killing people. Nah, man, there's a short window of Harden, man. He's got like two, three, he's got what, two, three more years, I think. And like, even this year, he looks like he's lost a step, like physically. So. Everyone, so he's lost a step, but he's still averaging 25 and 10. Not even trying. Mm. That's fair. Okay, with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. So, Greg, K, Nee, thanks for being on this episode with me. Hey, no worries, no worries man. Thank you. Uh, anyone listening, um, subscribe to us on all podcast apps and on Twitter at Courtside Frackers for any latest news, uh, commentary on games and anything that happens with the NBA. So, yeah, see you next time. Thanks for having us. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.